Whole Man Academy. Because the world needs strong men. Whole Man Academy is changing the game for men around the world. It's for guys who want to live an epic life of fun and adventure, no matter what. We believe deep down, all men want to go on their own hero's journey to becoming resilient, confident, fearless, and fulfilled. Listening to be inspired by guys who don't settle for living a life of mediocrity. This is your call to action and call to adventure. Are you ready? Okay, so this is the Whole Man Academy podcast, season two. Uh, my guest today is Paul Bradley, who we're going to get into a lot of what he's all about, but uh, he's got an epic body. He's a coach. What does that mean? Well, he helps men transform their body, bulletproof their confidence and reignite their purpose. Tick, tick, tick for what we want to talk about. What I like about him is he's got a no-nonsense approach, which we're all about. Plus, he's soon to be a dad, which we'll get into. We're going to talk about losing your edge, legacy, muscles, food, accountability, fatherhood, and football. Uh, Paul, welcome. How are you and where are you, mate? Thank you very much for having me. Uh, I'm actually based in Dubai. been in Dubai for the last eight and a half years. I'm doing fantastically well. I um, just spent the last few weeks back in the UK, had a wedding, had stag do's, and I was on a business mastermind for, for a week. So plenty going on and uh, back in town now. And yeah, very excited to be here. So what was it like when you moved to Dubai? Because that's a fair old change from the UK. Or actually, whereabouts um, in the UK were you from originally? From sunny Watford. Lovely, yeah. Twins with Miami, yeah. Yeah, there you go. And um, I actually was working as a headhunter for majority of my adult life. Um, I was living in Watford and I had a couple of pals lived in Dubai and they were raving about it. And I was just in one of them situations where I wasn't too happy where I was at. I was in a job where I felt like I was just going for the motions, didn't feel very valued, wasn't very happy. And that meant, what are you doing? in the UK, come over here, it's, it's fantastic. So I was like, okay, I went for a, a job interview at their place, got, got offered the opportunity. I've never been to Dubai before. Right. And I just rolled the dice and I thought, you know what, I haven't got many commitments. Um, UK is getting get me a little bit down right now. And we just went, right, let's go. And then that was it. What a change. It was, and was that you and your partner? Yeah, Lucy's my wife. And yeah. um, at the time we weren't married, but we've been, going, we've been with each other about 13 years now. And she sort of backed me. I said, look, I think it's going to be right for us. Uh, I think it'd be a good opportunity. And she, she backed me. She let me go. Um, she let me go. We went together. And yeah. Yeah, it's worked out really well. But I'll tell you what, it's one of them things where it, it's, to start with, is a bit uncertain. Because I had the opportunity with my job, but she didn't have any work. So she had to find a job for herself. She was out of work for like three or four months while she was finding a job. So there's quite a few tears before bedtime. Yeah. So it just really solidifies things. I think when, when you, it's like one of the things, when you're seeing someone and you move in with someone, you get to really know what they're about a bit more. Mm. And then when you actually move country, you see another sort of side. It can make or break you, but luckily for us, it's definitely um, bring us closer together. Yeah, you, that's a really important point. I've always said about, you know, if you're dating someone, um, you're always seeing the best version of them when you're, you know, the initial dating, as it were, because you don't know the real them until you're with them you know, morning, noon, night, through everything. So it's it sure yeah. is an interesting one when, when you move in with someone and you're like, all oh, right, that's what you look like in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got to get used to that. A few farts underneath the, the yeah. pillows. And I'll tell you one thing is that a lot of people who meet people in Dubai as well, I'll probably say the success rate is maybe about 40%. A lot of people meet over here and they don't really know they're from when they were back in England. I think the UK is... How do I say it? It's more, it's more real. It's raw. You know, you, right. you have a certain level of 
I don't know about you, but street smarts you have to get used to. I mean, over here in Dubai, it's a phenomenal place to be, but like the kids are very pampered. There's no, there's no crime here because everybody's working. So there's no yes. crime. Everyone's here like, and you're, you're raised here. You're kind of given a bit of a, a blanket around you. Where in the UK, you have to get a few knocks and, and bruises along the way. And you kind of, you, you, you develop, I think, probably more real relationships, if I would say that. And when people meet people over here, it's like, are you caught a bit of a bubble? It's not as authentic, I don't feel. So yeah, it's an interesting one. Uh, it's, uh, I was going to ask you also, to state the obvious, Dubai is slightly sunnier than the UK. Um, yeah. And, you know, I've got friends that live in, um, one of them lives in Colorado for half a year and in Miami for the other half. And she nice. always says that, you know, being sunny every day does help you with your mood. And I just wondered, did you find that? Because basically every day you wake up and it can be a shorts and T-shirts day if you want to. Yeah, but I've got to be careful because I've got ginger skin. So I've got to make it No, but yeah, it's, it makes a massive difference. I think studies have shown that, right? I think that yeah. the biggest, highest suicide rate is in Sweden, if I'm not mistaken, and they don't have as much sunlight. So sunlight makes a massive difference. Um, it's a massive part of my morning routine as well. I'm always making sure that apart from hydrating the meditation and journaling work that I do, that I get some sunlight. Getting some sunlight in your face, um, yeah. it's already proven, but it does, does a lot for your own mental health. But yeah. also for your own energy and just setting you up to win for the day for sure yeah that's a big one on energy and that's why i mean we recently launched our first online course and it was basically all about energy and what we're trying to say is that it's about you know eating better moving better um you know thinking better and it's all those different things that create that kind of that wave of of energy to help you hopefully do the the cool things in life and make the better decisions and i was going to ask you about i mean we're going to get on to that i'll um I'll urge people to go and have a look at some of your like Instagram pics of your your incredible physique. And I was going to say for you, how did you how did you get to that stage? Because I saw that you shared a picture of you as I think you called it being skinny fat many years ago, yeah. and then to the transformation to where you got to where it's just kind of completely ripped. And I just wondered what made you go from skinny fat to where you then got to. I think to start with, if I'm honest, I think I wanted to be more attractive to the opposite sex. I think we all go through a phase of like, you know what, I want I want girls to like me. Yeah, do the curls issue. for the girls. There you go. And I, I, I was always a skinny guy in my teens and going holiday, I had a few mates were in shape and I didn't like the fact that maybe they were getting more attention than me. And I was like, well, you know what, I, I think like a lot of people get into training because they, they're looking for some form of significance and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I think we all want to have a natural urge for significance. We all want to be wanted yeah. and we want to feel like we, we matter and we care. And for me, I, I soon realised that the, the quickest way for me to get confidence and for me to feel better with myself was to train. I like the feeling of training. My, my dad was, used to play for Wasp as rugby. My granddad was a boxer. So I got the genetics from a, um, a, a cardio point of view, a fitness point of view. It's always yeah. kind of in my DNA. I always struggled to build muscle. I was always that natural skinny, skinny guy. Um, and that was like a kickstart for me. But going back to your point about the energy, for me, that is the two biggest assets we have as men is, right. is energy and confidence. When those two things are peaking when they're high, then we're unstoppable. Yeah. But I think a lot of men is they struggle with confidence and they, and they struggle with energy. And I feel like that's actually, on a side note, one of the biggest problems we see with almost mental health is I don't, I don't think a lot of people struggle as much with mental health as they think they do i feel like they've got an issue with exhaustion burnout and energy yeah and that's that's the key thing so I'm stress about my, my focus was to get get in great shape because that's what i wanted from a confidence point of view and really an insecurity point of view because i wanted people to like me and i wanted girls to like me i yeah. think a lot of people go through that phase um but now because i've got into the shape i've been there and done it i've kind of seen 
really, and this is why I coach men at the moment, is that, yes, it's great to have that body, but that shouldn't be your primary focus. Your primary focus should be, right, how do I want to feel? Because yeah. there's nothing more important than how you feel. Nothing. Not your kids, not your missus, not your job. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, if you don't feel good about yourself, they're getting a shittier version of you anyway. So if you prioritise how you want to feel, energy, confidence, feeling good in the clothes that you're wearing, having more productivity at work, getting more shit done, feeling like you're accomplishing things. If you make that your primary focus, as a byproduct, you're going to get in shape anyway. Because to make option A happen, you have to look after your body, you have to be careful of what you're putting in, you have to prioritise your rest, your stress management. If you're doing that, you're going to get in shape anyway. So I've kind of come full circle on my whole approach to fitness. And it's, uh, it's probably one of the biggest reasons now why I'm able to coach men and get the results that we do. That's the thing. So for, I mean, the, the average guy that listens to this podcast, I mean, in, all around the world, as opposed to just in the UK, but mm. is of that age of basically kind of, you know, 25 to 45. And those guys are getting into the being a father uh, age as well. And we've seen yeah. so much where often guys, and I saw it myself, where becoming a dad yeah, you, suddenly you've got more priorities and you can't spend so much time necessarily exercising and do all that stuff. Do you see that with the guys you're training that a lot of it is kind of the, um, the, the example was a guy that I knew who didn't like uh, going, let's say on holiday because yeah. he's got to take his top off <laughs> and he felt like a bit of a cock. Yeah. Oh mate, hundred percent. Like the amount of men who won't do things with their kids, like taking their kids swimming because they're too right. the top off. It's outstanding. And that's a problem, right? Because for me as a dad, your number one priority is to be the best role model you can be for your kids. And there's, there's a big problem we have as men. We have this inner conflict where we're, we're, we say we're committed to doing one thing, but our actions say something else. Yeah. And the amount of people are saying to their kids, right, look after you, you've got to be confident in school. You know, do, do well at school. You've got to work hard. Don't eat that crap. Don't do this. You've got to you know, do the, the X, Y, and Z. And they're not even doing it themselves. So they're hypocrites. And that's <laughs> when an internal conflict happens. Yeah, do and, as I say, not as I do. Well, there you go and the problem with that is that your kids are watching everything that you do yeah. everything the good and the bad so if you're like oh i can't be bothered to do this a lot of dads say they don't have the energy to keep up with their kids they don't have the energy or the zest they want to do things at the weekends so again go back to the energy point which is absolutely huge that's got to be your number one asset your number one priority it needs to be cultivating energy protecting it and creating it because you don't just have energy so it's like confidence you don't just have it yeah don't wake up one day i'm confident you don't wake up one day i'm motivated yeah. you've got to create you've got to generate it um from doing the right things with your body but yeah the the, the problem a lot of men have is they, they think they've got a time management issue yeah and really it's not time management it's mind management it's mm-hmm. actually going right let me actually get clear on what i want the biggest productivity tool i think there is, is is knowing what you actually want and then getting rid of the bullshit distractions that are going to hold you back from getting there and I th- the biggest biggest problem i see for men is they're not willing to take a little bit of time out from the noise from the work from yeah. what they think their top priorities are and just get clear on what they actually want. And, and that's such an important point um, because uh, funny enough, I, I spoke to a chap yesterday who had similar, that was like, do you know what? I actually want to, um, you know, I don't spend any time focusing on what I want and I never have. And I said to him, well, well you're not really taught that at school, are you? No one sits down and, you know, works through all that stuff. And therefore guys can often sleepwalk their way through life in a okay job or, you know, an average um, situation in their life and you're like what do you actually want they're like i don't know yeah yeah and what you're actually willing to do to get clear on what that is so that's, so that's the big thing for me like doing the inner work and creating time for yourself it's like the best footballer in my opinion ever to play the game is a dan 
right? That's the GOAT for me. Yep. My, my number one player. And what, did, what do great players look like when they're on the ball? What do they look like they've got loads of? Mm-hmm. Energy. Time. Yeah, time, like energy. How is he getting that much time? He doesn't just have that time. He's creating the time by making a move away, by being smart. And it's the same thing for men. You don't just have more time. You've got to create more time. What does that mean? That means well, getting up a bit earlier. It means stop watching fucking Netflix. Yeah. Stop, stop wanking around on your phone. Like what? Like the, the phone is the biggest problem I see for most modern men mm. is that you just spend so much time wasting on that thing. So it's like, okay, show me, show, show me your diary. Show me your schedule. Show me how busy you are that you can't cultivate 30 minutes of your day to, to get clear on what you want. And that's a massive part of what I teach my men in their morning routines and what I call the transition routine, the evening routine. Yeah. You put them into your day, taking a bit of time to get clear on your priorities for that day. What are your top three priorities? What, what do you need to be doing today that's going to make you feel good and make progress? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, what I call measuring backwards. Like, have you done essentially what you said you're going to do? Because the quickest way to build confidence is make a promise to yourself and see it through, no matter how big or how small. Like, I'm going to get my training session done today. I'm going to drink water. I'm not going to eat any shit today. I'm going to have that meeting. I'm going to make that call and have that conversation. Whatever it is, when you say you're going to do something, then you follow through and do it. It feels good. It builds confidence. However, if you keep making promises that you keep breaking, your self-worth diminishes every single time you do that. Yeah. It's a big thing. Get clear on what you want. Spend a bit of time thinking about what you want. You don't have to have all the answers straight away. That's another thing. You don't have to have the answers. But if you don't at least take action on some things to start with, then you're always going to feel like you're falling behind. That's the thing about, um, as you, you said something important there, you know, you don't have to have all the answers. And we're always trying to say to people, um, what I learned from, you know, going through years of personal development was, do you just know what's the next step? You know, like you say, you can't plot out your entire career. You can't plot out your business because you know things are going to, you know, you're going to get, challenges and things that crop up but it's like you know just what's the next step and what what can you take action with and, and I was going to ask you on that with when you took your own transformation of body what was the reason why did you get to in such incredible shape is it because you were doing um you know um uh, shows and um, yeah. competitions and therefore is that what drove you to kind of create that what a lot of guys would see is you know that that kind of completely shredded look yeah, so it runs a bit deep. So after two weeks of being in Dubai, I lost my dad. My dad died um, suddenly, which was obviously a bit of a, uh, a, a turbulent time. But yeah. one of the, the, the biggest positive to come off the back of that was it made me realise how short life was. Yeah. It made me realise that I was, for a long time, I was an autopilot, just going for the motions. And it made me think, well, fuck me, life's short. Um, I get one shot. I'm, after the dust has settled, of course, I was like, I'm, I'm going to be ruthlessly committed to unlocking the best version of myself. I don't yep. want to look back in 20 years, 30 years, 50 years time and go, right, you, you played it small. You didn't go after what you want. You, you shrunk, you contracted. So I made a commitment to myself then. I'm just going to go after what I want in life. And I'm going to be ruthlessly committed to going towards it. And there's something like when you lose someone close to you, you kind of get a bit more, I don't know, you've gone through such a, a tragic thing. You become a bit more, I felt a bit more bulletproof. So I was like, fuck it. I, I've, got, I've got nothing to nothing to, to lose almost yeah so then i was like okay what do i what am i passionate about because i knew that working as a recruiter as in headhunting wasn't really lighting a fire yeah <laughs> a, lot, a, lot, a lot of the times like this is the thing going back to the point of, of men going after what a lot of times we don't know what we want right and that's okay but i guarantee you, you know what you don't want mm-hmm. you know what you don't like you know what you don't want start there 
And that's what I did. I was like, well, I don't really like making money for other people. I don't like feeling like I'm a, a small part of a, a clog in a massive machine. I don't like, I, like I, I don't feel like I'm respected. And respect's a massive, massive thing that I've come to realize that most all of us men want, whether yeah. we know it or not, we all want to feel respected. I didn't feel that. So then I was like, okay, well, I want to carve a path in a different avenue. And I was like, well, what am I passionate about? Everyone says, follow your passion. I'm like, yeah, follow your passion. But you've got to make sure you're fucking good at that passion. Right? Yeah. Don't just follow your passion. You've got to make sure you're good at that and you can offer value in that area. That's yeah. key. And you've got I to pay the bills as well. Sorry, mate? And you've got to pay the bills as well. There you go. Exactly. Um, and it depends where you're at in, in, in the process. A lot of people, you know, you will have to start with a side hustle. And that's what I did. I was like, well, fitness is what I want to get into. One of the things I'm, I think I'm quite good at is, is modeling. So I'll look at someone that I want to potentially emulate, not copy, but emulate and go, I really like what he's doing, especially in the online game and in coaching, like, well, he's doing some great stuff. You find out more about them. Um, and you go, well, I looked at a few people and thought, you know what, I really like the way that they're doing things. And I'm just going to try and, uh, you know, model that or look into that. And that's what I did with my online business. I started that as I was, as I was working in recruitment. Um, but then I felt like I needed to really justify my place, wrongly or right. I was like, well, I need to, if I'm going to break free of this job in recruitment, I'm going to step into the fitness industry. I need to get respect. And I thought the best way to do that would be to get myself into world-class shape and enter a, enter a show. So that's what I did. And I, I, went, I went absolutely balls deep into that. Um, got, into phenomenal, got into the phenomenal shape for that show and sort of kept it, maintained it pretty well since then. But... Again, that was my kind of like, I need to justify myself to do that. Yeah, but yeah. in the process of doing that, and this, is, this, is, and this is why it's great to have this conversation, even though it may look good on paper, like look at this guy looks in great shape. That only tells one side of the story. And this is why I'm so adamant with the guys that I coach now that be careful what you want. Because yeah. even though you may think you want this powerful, athletic, amazing looking physique, behind the curtain, I was, I was struggling. I was mentally struggling. It nearly cost me my relationship because to get to that level of physique, you have to sacrifice a lot. I was sacrificing foods, no alcohol, obviously, like not going out. But more importantly, yeah. I was a fucking dickhead to be around. My missus was like, <laughs> I don't even recognize you. Like, who are yeah. you? Like, I just I was, my sex drive was low. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to really be around people. I became very insular. And that's, that was the biggest lesson. Okay, brilliant. It really, I've got some great photos. It looks fantastic. And people will say, oh, you look in great shape. But really, the best thing to come out of that was I realized that that's not actually what I want. Yeah. That's not what I want. What I want is to be in great shape. I want to feel good. I want to be able to have great relationships. I want to be able to take my missus out on date nights. I want to be able to go out and piss with my mates every now and then. I want to be able to go on holiday and not worry about coming back and being out of shape. So, yeah. That reformed my start of my journey into, into online coaching, but really it's the lessons I learned from my mistakes, which has actually made me world-class of what I do now. Uh, it's one of those things where I know I spoke to, you know, different guys on the podcast who have in their own kind of field have got into, you know, say there's a difference between like great shape. And I think you want to be in great shape as a, just as a man, you know, want to be, have physical strength, be able to run, lift, pull, carry, drag, et cetera. But one of the guys was a bodybuilder and then kind of speaking to David Gandhi, who obviously just has to have staying in that great shape for photo shoots. And that's the thing a lot of people say is it's not easy. You know, it is really hard. You sacrifice a lot. And I know with um, especially when you get down to that very low body fat percentage that you basically end up. I mean, I, I think I've probably got to like double digits, but not much more than there when I was really training hard. But you, you end up actually being quite exhausted all the time. Yeah, it, the juice sometimes isn't worth the squeeze. 
And that's why I think the key thing is to, and this is why I work with a lot of my guys on, is, is getting clear on what your real motivations are. Like, I want to get six back. Okay, why do you want to get six back? Oh, because I want to feel more confident in my top off. Okay, so why do you want to feel more confident with your top off? Oh, you know, it's just that I, I, I want my missus to still like look at me like she used to. Okay, so tell me a bit more about that. Well, we haven't had sex in, in God knows how long, and I'm, I'm kind of concerned that she might be that she might run off with somebody else. Oh, okay, now we're getting to the true motivation. Yeah, now we're digging a bit deeper. Now we're digging a bit deeper, and we're getting into okay, so cool. So why do you want a six pack again? You don't want the six pack. You want to have the confidence that getting in shape provides you, so that you can make sure your relationship with your missus is on fire. Yeah. So let's talk a bit more about that. And then, then it just opens up a whole new, you can explore. The great thing about looking inwards is that you get to explore, it's infinite. But a lot of people are trying to play this finite game, as in, when I get the body, then I'll be happy. Then yeah. I'll be worthy. When I get the car, when I get the money, when I get the job, then I'll allow myself to be happy. I'm like, no, that's not, that's not the focus. Because what you need to focus on is the infinite game and actually making fitness a lifestyle. So to mm. make fitness a lifestyle, you can't be this all or nothing mindset. You've got to be right. How, do, how can I... How can I make sure that what I'm doing right now, I can do in 12 months' time? Is what I'm doing right now setting me up to win long-term? Can I see myself doing this 12 months from now? It's a question I always ask my guys, because if the answer to that is no, I can't see myself doing this 12 months from now, either you're, the training is not sustainable, so either your eating habits aren't sustainable, as in you're restricting yourself too much, or your training is too intense, you, 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 you're going too mad, because you, you, wanna, you, you, you haven't got the patience and you want to get the results yesterday. Mm -hmm. so my job as a coach is to educate guys on really what do you actually want and why get clear on that motive and then build the plan so they can that sets them up to win long term that's sustainable and they and then essentially can end the sabotage of stopping and starting because it's the biggest thing i see with most men is they keep stopping starting stopping starting they yeah. cannot find the right system that's sustainable and allows them to make fitness a lifestyle and that should be your number one aim trying to make fitness a lifestyle doesn't that come also from it's a bit like with when you speak to someone who will say, oh, I'm on the, you know, fill in the blanks, I'm on the whatever diet. And you go, all oh, right, great stuff. Tell me about it. And they do. And you're like, is that something you're going to carry on for the rest of your life? And so now I'm going to do it for six weeks. And you go, so what happens when you finished? Well, I'll go back to what I was doing. And so well, you'll yeah. get what you had then. So it's, it is yeah. that kind of caught in that on a hamster wheel to nowhere. And I was going to ask you with that and i know you spoke about like with your dad passing away as well did that make you consider your legacy as well which we said at the start we were going to kind of touch on because again i don't think that's a word that i'd even considered until i went to a, a big personal development conference in miami and they, it was a tony robbins one and they spoke to some of the or some of the guys there spoke about legacy and i was like i hadn't given it much thought because i was in my early 30s yeah. and now as i've got to my 40s and i've got two kids and etc you start to think well what what do I want to be as my legacy when I'm, you know, whenever we depart this world? So what about yourself? What, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, I think the key to it, again, is, is to not, legacy for me is about, and that's why we've, we've called it the legacy program. Um, essentially, it's about being the best, or I'm trying to unlock the best version of yourself so you can be the best role model you can be and the best, best inspiration you can be to the yeah. people that step up, kids, family, customers, whatever it might mean to you. Generally, it's going to be something related to family, right? Um, the problem with that is people can get so attached to, oh, like I mentioned earlier, I'm going to work all my life. I'm going to really try and create this legacy, and you lose sight of what's important to you. Okay, I went through a few. I went through a phase of doing that where I was like, I'm trying to build this business. I want to create this great lifestyle, so so Lucy can have more options, so my kids can have more options, so I can have all this thing. So I'm doing this work now, so that one day it will be amazing. Yeah. And then I was losing sight of what's in front of me right here, right now. 
So it goes back to like when I was training for that for the show, I was like losing sight of everything around me in the pursuit of this one thing. Then only to achieve the thing and go, oh fuck it, is that is that is that it? You know, so I think the key thing with legacy is not to get too attached of like, well, people remember my name when I die. That's what <laughs> yeah. legacy is. Like, well, you, you can't forget to stop living now. So the key thing for me is to be ruthlessly committed to going after what you want, but at the same time being fully aware and appreciating what you have. If you can get that balance right, you're probably going to live a quite a good life because I think a lot of people have got it the wrong way around. Either they're, they're too um, scared of committing to being the man they want to be, so they stay stuck and they stay in their comfort zone and don't go after they want, and they basically live a life of quiet desperation and die yeah. with their song inside them, which is my biggest fucking fear. I'm scared yeah. to death of that. Or they go so ruthlessly after what they want, that you lose sight of what they've got. And, you know, again, there's like this, for me, there's this uh, pyramid of priorities where a lot of guys have got like work at the top, family, and then them at the bottom. Yeah. Right. And that's what they, and then they all get the scraps because they're not prioritizing themselves. Whereas for me, you should be at the top. You should be the number one priority, then your family, and then your work. Um, because if you feel good about yourself, everyone around you benefits. And that's my, my core message. But yeah, it's about, that's what legacy stands for. It's about you being the best you can be so the people around you can, can benefit. That's one of the things that, um, what I saw from either going on personal development conferences or now through the whole man Academy is, as you say, with legacy and like all of it, it's about guys taking some time to focus on themselves. Um, but what I saw as a common thing there was when we looked at kind of the, the frustrations from men was that a lot of them suffered with a lack of accountability. So they wanted to get in great shape, start a business, you know, do whatever it was they wanted to achieve. But when they kind of felt like you might create a plan for them, but then they were just left on their own uh, sitting in front of a computer and they didn't have someone to be like, OK, I want you to check in with me. I want you to tell you what to do. Is that one of the big things for you with accountability? Accountability is everything. You know, that is that is the key to getting results. And there's lots of different ways you can create accountability. What we do in our program, and this is what I've come to realize, is that the power of peer group is massive. Okay. Mm. Peer group, peer, peer group, peer group will always trump willpower. Yeah. Right? So if me and you, if I'm not, I'm not drinking, I'm gonna stay off alcohol, then we go out, we go out to a pub, for example. You know, I'm I'm I've got willpower, I don't have to drink. And we meet up, there's, there's me and you and a couple of our mates, and you three start drinking and having a great time. Me, my willpower will get beaten by the environment I put it myself in. Yeah. So I, Come on, mate, just have a beer. It's okay, just one. Exactly. Because of the environment I'm in. So your environment, your peer group, will always trump your own willpower. So that works the other way. So if you're, if four of us are uh, working out and say for yourself, you didn't really fancy it, you saw us three were smashing it, but fucking, I can't, I can't. Can't not do it. I've got to do the work. Yeah, and that's a big part of our program. is It's, it's group programming. Um, a lot of the times for the programs we have. So we've got our five day challenge, the twenty eight day, and then we've got our elite program. And it's that peer group environment, that environment that you put yourself into, which yeah. will make you raise your standards and make you raise your game. So the, the accountability comes from the other people that you surround yourself with. Um, it comes in with, with regards to how we we check in with the guys. We have daily accountability, so people have got to show up every single day. Um, doesn't take long, two minutes, three minutes. Yeah. I think the key thing is, is to understand that if you are in the right environment, if you are surrounded by the, by the by people, and if you are struggling, it's a big thing I, I try to say to guys, if you do feel like you're falling about, falling behind, reach out. Yeah. 
absolutely huge. And I put a big, big emphasis. I'm very open and vulnerable. And I talk about a lot of my weaknesses and where I've gone wrong and, you know, some of the struggles I've faced. And, you know, even, even now, the other day, I put a post on saying I haven't been as committed over the last couple of weeks because of X, Y, and Z. And I think it allows people to kind of open up. So I create this space of vulnerability, which I think is the, again, when we talk about mental health, like being vulnerable and being okay with, with opening up and creating dialogue is, is fucking huge. And I try and create that environment so when people are struggling, they can they feel like they can reach out. Yeah, that's that's one of our you know messages has been we're not saying that guys need to um, you know every day pour out all their woes to people because often some people don't want to hear it anyway. And yeah. one of my sayings was that I heard once was 80% of people don't care about your problems and 20% are glad you've got them. Um, which is always interesting but it is that if you're and it hasn't got to be struggling mentally like you're going to kill yourself but if you're struggling and you're like you know what it is okay to reach out to a friend or your dad or a colleague or someone and say this is what I'm going through any chance you can give me some advice help me what have you and often people realize it's like a what's the word a release of pressure on their shoulders because they just hold it all in so I guess for you it is that you know you're there to be uh, that kind of person that some could come to to say with your training, you know, I'm not, I'm not quite getting it, or other things are getting in the way. What do you see that you often are the most common things that guys, when they're trying to get in better shape, are struggling with? Is it, is it the once you've gone past accountability, is it food as one of the things that guys struggle with? Yeah, I think I think the key thing to, to realise in our on our program is that we put a lot of work into it's not just fitness, so it's like a more holistic approach to lifestyle. Yeah. So I put a lot of work into habits and developing the right habits. Um and, and making people realize why they do what they do. Because everything we do, good or bad, and again, there's no such thing as good or bad, it's just our perception of it. Yeah. We do it because we get something from it. So I think to answer your question. I think it's just the consistency, staying consistent, like not allowing the their bad habits to sabotage them because we've all got them, whether it's drink, eating too much food, porn. I call it sedation. There's things that we go to which are our default mechanism. Yeah. That's why it's yeah. so important that, you know, naturally our brain is wired to find the worst, go to the worst case scenario because of the years we spent, you know, in survival mode. That's what our brain is. It's a survival tool. So it's very easy to go to the water negative. It's actually quite hard to, to stay positive or to see the positives and get that perspective piece. Mm-hmm. So what I help guys do really with the mindset stuff is to make them realize that all we were trying to do is develop the right habits, which sets you up for long-term success. So I think the key, what usually will happen with guys is an, an incident will happen. They either get injured or they have a breakup or they go, go on a piss for a weekend or something yeah. tragic happens or whatever it might be, an emotional occurrence happens. So an event happens and you're given the option. Um, to how you deal with it. It's how you deal with it, which is really, really important. I think a lot of guys, we all gonna, we're all going to spend time, no matter who you are, in, in drift mode or potentially what I call the shit zones, when you just feel a little bit disconnected. Maybe you've yeah. lost a bit of your edge, lost a bit of motivation, you're not feeling too good, good about yourself. We're all going to face that at some point. Um, the key difference for me is how long we choose to stay there, because it's a choice how long we're going to stay there. Some men are addicted to... Uh, being a victim or, or, or going through this blame game culture because they get something from it. They get attention, right? Yeah. You know, we've all done that with our missus, with our family. We've all played up and act like a dick because we get something from it. Would we know that we get, <laughs> yeah. we get attention? That's, that's sometimes us men, we're like, we're like teenagers. We want attention. We want, we want our, our wives to mother us. We want to feel like we're getting that attention from it. So we might act up like kids do. So for me, I just try and make sure that my guys 
um, we're developing the right habits of routines and they know when they're, or they feel like, if they feel like they're starting to slip, they can start putting the right things in place, the right mechanisms to avoid them spending too much time in the shit zone so they yeah. can recover and get back into the game. Yeah, that's, so the message there is find out, you know, what is your shit zone and, and get out of it as soon as you can. Um, yeah. I, like, I like that. They creep in, like what, the, what the, the common signs that are starting to happen. Usually you stop doing the basics really well. That's what I stopped, what I stopped doing. I might stop doing my journey. I might stop doing my meditation. Yeah. I might only train a couple of times that week. I might find myself spending too much time on my phone. And the great thing about the phone is it tells you how much time you spend on it. Yeah, so which is... Make a note how much time you spend on it. <laughs> like I start creeping in. I'll start getting up a bit late or going to bed a bit late. So these little things are starting to creep in. If you address it early on, that allows you to then get a hand on it. That's an interesting one. Also, you've mentioned kind of your own um, routine and we're always big on, I mean, I think it's important to have a good morning routine, but a flexible one, because if you're too hard on yourself and say, oh, I must do this, this, this. And then, you know, as you're going to see at some point, but for us, the, the kids have woken up in the middle of the night five times or yeah. the alarm's gone off in the middle of the night or something where you wake up and you're like, fucking hell, like, I don't know what day it is. But how has it been for you with kind of implementing your morning routine? Has that developed as you've kind of, grown yourself as a you know your own kind of personal development absolutely it's always evolving i've got a few non-negotiables but you're absolutely right by the way i think i've been a victim of that by saying this is what i've got to do and if i don't do this by this time you know i feel like a bit of a failure and, and that's a big thing a lot of times when we're under stress one yeah. thing i've learned recently is that make sure that the deadlines that you're creating are actual deadlines and not fake deadlines <laughs> I, I should be here by now like, no, I'm falling. I should, I should have this amount of money by now. I should be living in this house by now. Fuck, I'm falling behind. Or like morning routine. Shit, I haven't done this by 8 a.m. That's what I was like. It's 8 a.m. I haven't done my morning routine. Shit, I'm, I'm... So you create all this extra anxiety. And the thing about anxiety, and this may trigger some people, is that you create it all by yourself. Yeah. You create it by living in the future and thinking, well, what if it doesn't work out for me? What if it goes wrong? And you, your imagination takes over. And all, before you know it, you fucking... You're homeless, your wife's left you, and you, you, you've got nothing going. It's like, fucking hell, how have I got there? Shit. How'd that, that happen? How'd that happen? But in the present moment, <laughs> it's fine. All things absolutely fine right now. So, why am I creating this problem? Yeah. Anyway, with the morning routine, my, mine's evolved a lot. Right now, it's a case of I'm getting, I'm, the great thing about online business, and I'm sure this is going to change massively when, my, when, when the boy comes, he's obviously coming in about six weeks. I've got the luxury now where I can choose what time I want to get up. So, I've, I've always experimented. Sometimes I'm getting up super early. Right now, because of the jet lag I'll face from being back in the UK, I'm just allowing my body to wake up when it does, which is around about 6.30. Yeah. But the, yeah. the, the non-negotiable for me is I've always got to make sure I hydrate. That's key. So a half a litre of water. Um, I want to make sure that I, I like to get caffeinated. So I want to make sure my brain's in the right place. I've got this stuff here, actually. I don't know if I put it, uh, put it around. But there's this uh, thing called lion's mane, which is really good for cognitive function. Right, okay. Uh, it's, it's, it's amazing. And uh, it really helps me just get the brain firing. And then I move into uh, journaling. So I'm massive on journaling. But before I do any of that, the key thing, do not touch this for the first hour. I was going to ask, because otherwise... This is the thing. If you're getting up, the first thing most people do is look in their phone, go on Facebook, and Barry from Bradford said something about Boris Johnson or something about coronavirus, and you're like, fucking, that's tricking me. And you're already, yeah. already on someone else's to-do list. right? You're already yeah. on someone else's problems or you check your emails whatever it is you, you put yourself into a reactive state which then can ruin your morning so the first thing without doubt no phone that's probably the, anyone takes anything away from this that i think will have massively help with their own 
productivity and getting going in the morning. Don't look at your phone for at least 15, 20 minutes, half an hour. Yeah. Um, game changer for me. And then just getting all the stuff that's in my head. A lot of people that suffer from anxieties or overwhelm, especially, it's because they're carrying so much stuff in their head. So I literally try and declutter all the stuff that's in my head and get it onto, onto uh, paper. And I don't just have my phone or, or, or electronically. It's actually a pen and paper. Yeah. What all the stuff I what I call a brain dump. And that literally declutters my mind. And in the mornings, when I come up with all my best ideas, I get some good ideas. If I've slept well, you know, I'm feeling like energized. So I get all my ideas, my strategy stuff down. Then I move into journaling. And journaling is just really asking yourself powerful questions mm. to steer your mind in the right direction so that you know, get, you get clear on what, what you need to do that day to make progress. And that's the kind of morning routine. Um, sometimes I might go out for a run in the morning as well, depending yep. on where I'm at. Um, it's a bit hotter here in Dubai at the moment. So when it starts to settle down, I go for a run. But the key thing I want to mention about the morning routine and what you, what you touched on a bit earlier is that I got so into my morning routine, okay? So into trying to take on the world and trying to create this monster of a business and trying to be the man that I meant went to be and unlock my potential. I was so into that that I used to go for this, my morning run and I used to love it. And I'd come back and as soon as I'd showered up, I'd go straight to my desk and I'd start working. And I'm like, you know, I'm doing, I'm trying to do all this stuff. I'm trying to really, you know, create a great lifestyle for me and my family. And I realized I hadn't even said hello to my missus. Yeah. <laughs> realized that I've done all of that stuff. Yeah. And I come back and I got my missus, my missus, like, I'm, I'm off now. I'm like, I'll oh, bye. And I was like, hang on, you're doing all this work now so you can create a good lifestyle for the future. But right here, right now, you're not being a very good husband because you're not yeah. getting any, any attention. I was like, oh, fucking hell. And that, that hit a light bulb moment. Light bulb. What I do in my morning routine is I, I have like 10 minutes or whatever where I have a coffee with the missus and we just chat with the yeah, dog, yeah. we just chat, we just catch up. So when she leaves to go to work, we've created a really good connection and it's like, have a great day. And I feel like, you know what, that's, that feels nice. Mm. So making sure I'm not losing sight of what I've got. I think that's really important. It's these little things that, you know, with the podcast after, I don't know, probably if you added up about 100 hours of talking to guys from all around the world, it's these little things that guys can implement that aren't costing them any money and they're not going to take a lot more time, but it's like, you know, with your partner, is it that you can just spend five minutes in the morning if, if your schedule is aligned and one of you hasn't already left for work, but just spending a little bit of time without your mobile and, you know, talking to each other. And I think for us, you know, when Emma and I both left the city pretty much at the same time and moved to the countryside, started our business. And I'd find that where you'd get up and you'd be like, right, I must, do this 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 and then by the end of the day you'd be like i haven't really spoken to her because you're too i'm busy being busy you know creating and producing and things and then you're like what about doing something that's enjoyable if that makes sense and that's why we had to you know especially once the kids came along that even became even harder because they are such a I say drain on your time you know they there is no off switch for two little boys who just run around all the time and i was going to ask you with that does that also lead into kind of, so you said about doing a brain dump. Um, I know it's the, I don't know if you read the book, Getting uh, Getting Things Done by Dave Allen. Um, so he, he talks really uh, very much about doing a brain dump. And his comment was, your head is for having ideas, not for holding them. Yeah. Which, yeah. And, and that's one of the things we try and say to guys is, you know, in the morning, probably a few years ago, if you'd have said, I'll oh, do some journaling, I'd be like, oh, fuck off, that sounds really wanky. Now I realise that those kind of things, getting them out of your head can be really powerful. What about with the guys you're working with? Do you kind of encourage them to get a morning routine going as well? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, but at the end of the day, everyone's got different things they've got going on. So 
like say some people got kids, some people work at night shifts, some people are doing all sorts of stuff. But I, I just think that regardless if it's a morning routine or whatever, what is the morning routine essentially? It's about carving out time for yourself alone, away from the noise, yeah. no distractions, so you can get clear. And what I call it is, is checking in with yourself before you check in with the world, right? So you're not on someone else's do list, right? So whether that's a morning routine, an evening routine, whatever it needs to be, the principle is for you to take some time by yourself, away from the mists, away from the kids, away from your phone, away from the noise, so you can create a little bit of inner stillness, so you can get clear on exactly what it is you want to achieve. And again, the big thing for me on my own journey is I've gone on a bit of a spiritual journey over the last sort of year where I've done a lot more meditation, a lot more breath work, which I didn't mention earlier about the morning routine, which, is, which has been a complete game changer for me. But right. again, like you, I'd have thought meditation, breath work, fucking hell, that, that is wanky, that's a bit, bit out there. <laughs> but one of the things I'm really passionate about is I love to study what makes people successful. Like, why does this guy over here, why has he got this five-bed detached house driving over range of way? Like, what's he done to create that? You know, obviously in Dubai is a lot of wealth here. I'm like, I'm fascinated by what, what has that person done? How yeah. have they cultivate that lifestyle for themselves? Because there's something to learn here. A lot of people might get envious or think, oh, wanky, you should show up. I'm like, how'd you do that? Yeah, like, show me. Tell me how you did that. Show, yeah. show me how did you invest your money? What, how did you create your business? And there's a lot of, and books, this is why books is fantastic because they just tell you so much information. And I study people who are successful and I'm successful. That's your own perception of it, but people who create something. And one of the key things that come out of that is meditation. A lot of people meditate. A lot of people do the breath work. A lot of people do the journey. It's like, okay, well, if they're doing it and they've been successful, let me give it a shot. So I recommend it. I've got one of my higher end programs, which is called Elite, the Elite Council which is only working like a small group of guys. And this is where we really get into the nuts and bolts of um, habits, routines, morning routines, the breath work, the meditation. But the key thing to all of this is, it's all well and good doing this stuff. But if you don't know what, where you're going with it, if you're not clear on the vision that you're looking to create, if you don't have targets, goals, and outcomes that you're looking to hunt down that excite you, it's all, it's all just kind of a bit of a waste of time. Yeah. So to have the morning routine is great, but at the top of it, you've got to know where you're going. You've got to have the direction. You've got to be typing in the sat nav, so you've got the direction of where you want to go. And that's what I feel that the morning routine does. It allows you to connect to where you're at so that you can go and hunt down these targets that are going to take you to the next level. Uh, and that's massively important. And going back to the point you mentioned about the wife yeah. and making time for your wife, that's a big thing for me. So I've got four key areas which I think guys need to focus on in terms of having a powerful life. So it's your mindset, your body, your relationships and your career, like if all these four areas are on fire, then you're living a powerful life, right? Especially relationships, because the quality of your life is determined by the quality of your relationships. Yeah. So with your wife, so like dating your wife, setting goals and targets in those areas, like might be 12 date nights over the next 12 weeks, it might be holiday at the end of 12 weeks, it might be dating your kids, going for a walk. All these things are so important to have in a diary because it creates that connection and makes it allows you guys to connect in with each other and it excites you because you've got something to look forward to, which is massively important. That's a really important point, actually. Um, I was listening to a podcast the other day when I was traveling down to London, and the guy, sometimes you hear stuff that you know and you've heard before, but you've kind of just, it's, it's, you know, it's not so much priority, so it's gone out of your head. And he was talking very much about, you know, sitting down with your wife or your family, your partner, or whatever, and like literally mapping out the next six months or year and, and maybe putting in your holidays and things and saying, look, they're non-negotiable. Yeah, I'm going to work hard on my business and, you know, providing for the family, etc. But I am going to create those spaces where we can spend time together. Um, 
and that leads me on to for you becoming a dad in or was it six weeks time um what was it like when you first knew that you were going to be a dad it's it's it's, it's an interesting one because i've been with my wife lucy now for like what 30, i think it's 13 over 13 years right um and a lot of people say you're never really ready to be a dad and i was like okay and they always took that information on board but i've never when i found out i was like well I'm 100 ready for this. Like yeah. this is this is what I I feel like my whole purpose is is to be a dad. I've always known since for, since I was young I wanted to be a dad. Then when my own dad passed away, it just really kind of reconfirmed that's what I want. Um, and I want to you know massively lead by example. I want I want I've got a message at the moment for, for dads is like be your kid superhero. Like yeah. that's your fucking job. Be your kid superhero. Like we all looked at our dads at some point. Thought that's my dad is a superhero. Right, but that's what your kid thinks of you. But if you're not actually doing the right things to cement his thoughts about you, then there's a, there's an issue here. We have to make sure that our, our kids look at us like superheroes, like we're unstoppable, like we can we can do anything. That may not always be the case, but at least we should be striving to, to not let them down, essentially. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 so excited about it. It's kind of a bit of a surreal one. Uh, I don't know how you felt about it when you know your wife's pregnant, she's doing essentially the work, and you're just kind of like just watching it from the sidelines, saying just chilling in the background. Yeah, it was a bit surreal. Uh, but I spoke to quite a few people about it, and said that as soon as, as soon as it's here, then it will then you obviously you'll start feeling those emotions, and um, yeah, it's just it's just a, an absolute adventure, and I, I can't wait to get uh, to get started. Yeah, I'm I'm sure you know plenty of the men that listen to this are our dads and have got you know either I mean, some of them have got four or five kids others just one and and it's like I don't think anybody can prepare you um for me it was kind of when Hudson was born our, our little one who I mean that's four years ago it's like you have such an overwhelming sense of love for this little monkey that's just popped out and you're like okay you know you're there to protect them provide for them you know hopefully create a, a nice kind of life for them and for us then when we had Bowie as well, uh, I mean, it is really hard work. I mean, it's great, but they just uh, don't have any off switch at all. And I have to kind of, for me, sometimes temper my, you've got to remember that they're only little and they don't understand that you, especially if you work from home, they're like, well, they didn't ask to come into your office. They're, they're at home and it's their home. So when they're making noise, sometimes I've gone out and I'm like, please just, just stop driving around your scooter and smashing into things. But then you kind of, you know, five minutes later, you're like, no, they are only little and they're just, you know, they're making the way in the world. We're not um, sending our kids to school. So we're home educating them. Oh, amazing. Which is growing massively in the UK. And I would guess around the world, considering that the kind of restrictions that people are putting on little kids at school these days and what they're being taught. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be that makes it even more interesting for us because they are they're not at home five days a week because they go out to different clubs and forest schools and stuff but we're a big thing about getting in nature as much as possible yes. you yes. know sitting a kid down who's four years old monday to friday at a you know at a desk trying to teach them all the time some of the stuff they don't even want to learn yeah um it, it doesn't work for us so we're trying to teach them you know more about how life works um out of uh, the desk and the the um that environment Maybe. often because it creates you know, school often just creates obedient workers who are going to go and work at a company. So we'll we'll see how that works. But what about yourself? With I was going to ask you about with your schooling. Did you enjoy school? And if so, like, would you ever consider when your little one is older, you know, taking keep them out of school and teaching them yourself? 
yeah, I think especially now, like you can see with with how things are playing out in the world, how like you know you're kind of I wouldn't say brainwashed, but you're kind of told to be like I said obedient. Anyone who wears a suit and a tie, you follow what they do, and you only have to look at some of the people like the older generation who just believe everything that comes out on the news, the media. Like yeah. the guy, the guy says that the news it must be true, and I think our generation start clocking it. Hang on, this isn't this isn't right. What you're trying to say here has an agenda behind it. Yeah. Um, what you're trying to say here is favouring a select few people in the world, and I, this doesn't add up. And you can see a lot of that going on now. Um, and actually, we've got our cousins in America. They've homeschooled their two kids, and I was like a bit concerned. Like, will they socially get the same? Because one thing about school is what it does teach you. It teaches you teach how to be social. It teaches you about like team environment, sports, and things like that. And I said, aren't you concerned that maybe they might miss out on that? And they said, no, they're these two are the most social kids you've ever seen. Whenever we put them in this environment, they're so friendly, they're so social, yeah. they're amazing. So that kind of eased my mind a little bit on that. Uh, but my experience at school was, it was an interesting one. Um, like I say, I was never the most academic guy. I was never going to be like um, someone that was going to get all A's. I, yeah. I struggled a little bit with that. Um, I was very good at sports and that was my thing. Sports, uh, having a fun with the guys at school as you do. But I always felt like school was, wasn't setting me up to win. And that became really evident that, you know, and this is the biggest thing, one of the biggest early lessons I learned about hard work and perseverance was that I was always a D, D student, right? Always a D student. I actually managed to go to a really good school. Um, I got in because of sports. It was called Palmer's. Yeah, yeah. It was a fantastic school. It was like the best school you could have about it being a private school, basically. It was phenomenal. I was lucky to get in there, like I say, because of sports. Um, but I was a D-level D student, I came to GCSEs and always got D in maths. And my mum hired me a tutor, a coach, essentially. And I didn't want to do it, but I went through it, I persevered, and I actually ended up getting a B. And that was my first lesson. I'm like, okay, if you want to, if you work hard, you can achieve something, which, yeah. which really cement something. Also, looking back now is that if you want to get ahead, hire someone that can help you get to the next level a lot quicker. Like if I want to go and learn learn a different language like Spanish I could go and get all the audio books I could sit at home now because a lot of people go I want to learn something new yeah I'll spend probably the next year stressed like I can't, <laughs> can't, do, this, can't do that yeah. or I could go and hire a Spanish tutor who knows what they're doing who knows their onions pay a bit of money and I guarantee you probably within about a year or two I'll be speaking fluent Spanish yeah you can get the fast track route or you can go the hard route and that's all I say to a lot of people but yeah, I think school was always one of them ones where I, I, I kind of struggled academically. You got into sixth form, and they all they cared about my school was if, if, if you're going to university. If you weren't going to university, they didn't want to know about you. And you know, I think Gary Vaynerchuk talks a lot about like that school sets you up. Doesn't, it's not meant for entrepreneurs and creators. It's for yes men or people that want to go to university. And I didn't go to university. I went traveling. Instead, I went to Australia and Thailand. I'm so glad I did because that life experience. Mm. And I learned so much from that. Um, so like when it comes to raising my own kids now, like I love what you guys are doing. I think that's brilliant. I think connecting to nature is absolutely massive. Getting out and about, not spending so much time on, on devices. Um, but I'm unsure actually, I'm unsure what, what route we would go down. But I, I, I feel like that's gonna get a lot more popular, especially in America, it seems to get a lot more popular because you can see yeah. how, especially universities now, they've got, got this kind of agenda and this kind of like woke culture that's looking to create. I don't want my kids being raised to be fucking little shits, to be honest. I want to have a bit more influence on in their lives. And I could definitely see the appeal of that. Yeah, no, we've definitely seen, and as you said, in, in the US, you know, the more people we follow, it's kind of, it was it was growing out there. And, and over here, we've seen, especially in the countryside, a lot more people 
that are looking to take their kids out of school or, or not send them to school to yeah. start with us. And that's what we saw with, you know, some of the restrictions where, you know, the, the, the kids are being segregated in, in, in classrooms or in the playground and they're not allowed to do this, they're not allowed to do that and put their hand up to go to toilet in groups and all this stuff. And you're like, what it was taken away is their individuality yes. of actually saying, I don't, I'm not really interested in that. I, you know, I couldn't give a shit about science. I thought it was really boring. So I just piss around for the whole time that science was on trying to burn things yes. uh, with the Bunsen burner. And I was quite good at that. But <laughs> then you'd be labelled as someone that's like messing around. You're like, well, it's just fucking boring. So I've got no interest. Yeah. So that's where we're looking at. And it's the same as you get older. Uh, I always say for a guy, if, if he's doing a job that he finds really boring, you're like, man, you might spend like 40 years or something doing this. So, you know, I'm not saying you need to leave immediately but at least like you say have a plan in place of you know what 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 kind of stuff lights your fire now last question for you we mentioned that you were very good at sport and we're going to talk about football um i'm guessing that you're a manchester united fan i might be wrong yes i'm I, I, i'm from watford and i'm a manchester united fan of That's course awesome. like well i'm from kent so i'm obviously a liverpool fan there um, you go. um your thoughts on the big man cristiano ronaldo coming back to the uh to old trafford to kind of light the uh like the touch paper because he's been um, yeah. setting uh, setting the kind of country alight with some of his performances recently. Yeah, he just he just he just is is the man. I think like for him, he guarantees you goals. Like he hasn't been he's moved into this more central role now, so he's not going to be the Cristiano Ronaldo and taking on players. And but he's in the box. He scores I think like eight percent of his goals now in that box area. So yeah, he's going to get you goals. That's one thing he guarantees you is goals. And a lot of people sort of potentially look to write him off, but he's already proven that he got player of the month. Last last month for month of September potentially, yeah. um, bit excited. But for me as a United fan, I still feel like this is all great. But we've kind of bought Cristiano, which is amazing. He's made a big difference. But that centre midfield role, we've got Fred and McTominay. They're massively out of the depth. So I, as much as I'm loving Ronaldo, I'm always someone like oh, that's great. But let's have a look at the real problem areas here. I mean, it's taken us like eight years to find a decent centre back partnership. Yeah, I, I do get concerned with some of the recruitment policies we have at United, although it has improved. But we need to get that those two sentiment or at least one world class sentiment in there. I think I we can go on the challenge. I think it's setting up for a great season. I interviewed um, Neil Mellor, the former Liverpool player, um, you know, a couple of months ago, and it was really interesting talking to him about how we Liverpool's season last year, like losing Van Dijk to injury fairly early on, was literally devastating because he probably is the best defender in the world, if not one of the top top few. And it just shows how the difference of one man coming in like Ronaldo, can suddenly create a buzz. And you'll probably agree with this, especially being a Man United fan, but I saw someone had said, like with Mo Salah, where he's setting these records with scoring, that he's, you know, the most exciting player, etc. And someone wrote on Twitter, and I can't remember who it was, but said, yeah, but other people don't pay to, other fans don't tune in to watch Mo Salah. Whereas for me, if I had the chance to go and watch Ronaldo, he is the greatest or one of the greatest players of the world. You've got people that aren't Man United fans that are tuning in. Part of that for me is about, I don't know how old he is, but he's kept himself in great shape, which is part yeah. of what we're talking about. I'm guessing he's consistent. He does everything. How do you see it with Ronaldo? Do you think it's part to do with his mindset and that, you know, he's kept himself in incredible shape? Yeah, hundred percent. His, his mindset is, is what allows him to get in shape. This is the biggest thing. I think a lot of people like, oh, he's in great shape, but without having the mindset, without having, the desire, the drive to want to be the best. And that's what separates him. Like if you speak to uh, like Rio Ferdinand's come out with quite a lot of in insights 
even Sir Alex Ferguson, he, he was that guy who was first in the training. It's, a, it's the old cliche, but he was the first in the training ground and the last to leave. And he'd always been doing extra work. There's one time Alex Ferguson was telling a story where um, they're at the training ground and it was pissing down with rain. It was getting waterlogged. And Cristiano was out there doing free kicks. He said, Cristiano, you've got to come back inside now. You're going to fuck up the pitch. You're going to get injured. <laughs> right, boss, right, boss, right, boss. He turns around and he gets, gets word that Cristiano is on the Astro turf. He's gone from there, he's gone on the Astro turf, and there's nothing he can say to him. He's like, oh, fucking hell. So he's worried about him overdoing it. So he's on the Astro turf getting in free kicks. Rio Ferdinand said that when he used to go around to Cristiano's house, he'd have like an entourage there. It wasn't like an entourage just hanging on. It was doctors, it was chefs, it was everything like that. So I think these days, especially in professional football, and what I even say to men, your average day men, is that if you can outsource things like the nutrition, what don't if you got if you're struggling for time, don't be slaving away in front of a stove. You can outsource it to a meal prep company, do that. And that's what Cristiano was doing. They've got chefs and things like that. And just prioritizing your longevity. And a lot of the men and dads that I speak to, one of their biggest fear is is growing old and growing old and not, you know, and diminishing, you know. And I think a lot of us get concerned about not being able to see our kids grow up, not being able to walk your daughter down the aisle. So growing old and, and making sure that as you get older, you're still getting better and improving and getting stronger. And Cristiano just embodies that. He's like, well, I know that I'm going to have to do a bit more work on my prehab. I know I'm going to have to do a bit more work stretching. I know I'm going to have to spend a bit more time listening to my body. Mm. And he's just a great example of that. If you do look after your body, I think a lot of men hit 30 and just give up. And I'm like, fuck, that's me done. Yeah. Listen, you've got so much more life than you yet. And if you do the right things, look after your body, protect your energy, you can go on to be in great shape in your 50s and 60s. And here's the thing, when you do see someone like Ronaldo, although he look, he's 36 but looks 30, right? Mm. When you do see someone that plays long-term as an athlete who goes on the Federers and people like that, you're like, man, that's so powerful. And it's like the guys that are in their 40s and 50s who are in shape, for example, they stand out so much above the rest of the guys because most people in their 40s and 50s aren't in shape. So if you can be that guy in your 40s, 50s, and even 60s, and we've got guys in the program, it just it just looks even more amazing because there's not many people that are actually do it. Well, that's one of the big things. I was going to say, you know, for guys listening, it's never too late. I've seen great examples of guys that started doing, you know, strength training, as you say, in their late 50s, 60s, 70s, who still, um, you know, have got an incredible shape. So it's a reminder, you know, whatever, wherever you are in life, there is always an opportunity to, uh, you know, drive forward, get a better body. And as you said, that, that the, you know, if you're getting into the training, I think the training helps your mental health as well. Um, maybe you eat better, you get healthier, you're a better man to be around. So it's something for uh, for all guys to consider. Mm-hmm. Well, last question for you is, um, I'm, I'm sure there could be guys listening here that are like, hmm, Paul sounds like he knows what he's talking about. I wouldn't mind working with him. How would they find out a bit more about what you do? Yeah, so they can go to my Instagram page, uh, Paul Bradley Coaching, same on Facebook as well. Um, drop me an email, paul at paulbradleycoaching, uh, sorry, paul at paulbradleyfitness.com. So it's Paul Bradley Coaching for Facebook, Instagram, paulbradleyfitness.com for email. Um, and at the moment, we've actually got uh, an opportunity to come on board our, our five-day challenges or our 28-day challenges, which we run kind of every month and every two months. So yeah, on social is the best place to get to, to, get to know me a bit more. And um, we're always looking to work with men who are committed to unlocking their best version of themselves. Yeah, that's the thing. It's committed, isn't it? I, I would say if you're doing coaching with people, you want someone that wants to take action and isn't like, you know, uh, uh, it, it might be nice to do it, but I'm not sure because you're like, listen, you're going to waste my time. So I want someone that is, as you say, committed. Yeah, I think the key thing to realise is that 
you know, sometimes you're just not ready and that's okay. Like you have to be like ready. You will go through phases where you, you feel like you're not ready and that's okay. Like don't beat yourself up about it. But I feel like when you are ready, you'll know. And you're like, you know what, I, I, I need to do this. And sometimes you have to go through some setbacks and disappointments. Sometimes you have to go through some trauma to wake you the fuck up. And that's what happened to me. I had to, I had to wake myself up to make you realize, shit, you only get one shot. You yeah. only get one opportunity at this life. So why would you waste it um, and, and potentially die with your song inside of you? Don't be that guy. Be the guy that gets what he wants from life. Be the guy that understands that if he does apply himself, if he does do the work, then anything's possible. And it sounds a bit cheesy and a bit cliche, but it's true. But to, to, you have to start somewhere. And like I said earlier, you're never too late. Everyone's got the poss poss possibility and the potential to go to that next level and it starts by taking that next step. No, perfect. That's a good, it's a good message to end with, um, you know, for the, for the guys that are listening. And again, we hit guys in, I think it was over 40 countries at different points. So there'll be guys all around the world kind of nodding and going, eh, something to think about. But, um, and then what's your, what's your plans there? What time is it there? Um, what's on? We're three hours ahead now. So uh, it's 12 o'clock. Um, so I've got a call. Uh, with, I've got a business coach that I've got a call with after this. Then I'm going to go do some training, as you might expect. Um, and then we've got an afternoon of doing performance reviews. So I like, what I like to do with my guys is like to check in with them and do performance reviews, getting content ready. Um, and yeah, just trying to add some value. So the biggest thing that I, I try and realize is that every day my number one mission is to add value and try and make sure that I try and have a positive impact on, on somebody. So whether it's through the podcast or through a video message or content, that's the end of the game. So yeah, and then making sure that you get the work wrapped up so I can make sure my pregnant wife has got the attention she needs. <laughs> get the, the most important bit at the end yes Lovely. Exactly. Well, Paul I appreciate you um for a the work you're doing helping men which is uh, for us is one of the biggest things and also taking the time out of your busy schedule to come and talk to us um and this will go out uh, as one of the first podcasts of series two which is exciting and again it's all about finding guys who are living their own version of epic life so I appreciate uh, you taking the time and top man really appreciate it and enjoyed the, the conversation lovely thanks Paul Thanks for listening. Remember to sign up to our game-changing weekly e-letter that's read by men around the world. Sign up at wholemanacademy.com forward slash movement. Until next time.